Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you again this week to Impact Cyber Church. And as I tell you every single week, right now you're going to church with people all over the world. The only difference is there's people in church in their pajamas. There's people in church with their shorts. There's people in church sitting in the bathtub. There's people in church sitting in the hot tub. You know, there's one couple told me, they said, man, whenever you started putting this online, we would sit in our hot tub every week and watch these broadcasts and just walk away encouraged and blessed. Listen, today we're still in this series about paradigms, perspectives, and the glory of God. And today we're going to be talking about the path of righteousness. Now, so many times when people talk about righteousness, they get off the rails. They totally miss the point of righteousness. They misunderstand what it means, and they misunderstand all of the good parts. Today, you're going to understand the path of righteousness, and it's going to be a good thing. It's not going to be a burden. It's going to be something that's going to fill your life with God's reality, and that's exactly what you want. I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. I've got a great free download for you this month. The attitude that always win. All you've got to do to get this free message is click right there on the right-hand top side of your screen, and you can get it right now in your inbox. You know, when I first got saved, man, if the preacher was going to preach some kind of message about righteousness, it was like, head for the hills. This is going to be scary. It's going to be negative. I'm going to walk away at the end of this service feeling like I'm not righteous enough, like I'm not good enough. But I'll tell you something. If you really get a hold of the truth about righteousness, then it's never going to be that way. You know, when talking about the things of the kingdom of God, and righteousness is one of the key aspects of the kingdom of God, the Bible tells us that these things are mysteries. And the interesting thing about mysteries, see, we think we know something because we've studied the information, we got all the information, we can put the right answers on the test, and we think we know it. But remember, with God, knowing information is not the same as knowing something that affects your life experience. It affects the way you see yourself. It affects the way you think. It affects the way you live, the decisions you make, because that kind of knowing really only happens in the heart. So the information about righteousness really is pretty much useless if you really want to know the truth. But I want to tell you something. But connecting to God's righteousness in a real way that affects us internally is really part of this whole thing about the glory of God. But remember, these things are mysteries. And in mysteries, you never discover a mystery, all of it up front. In other words, as you walk out a mystery, you discover more of it. You discover more of it. You discover more. We will spend our lifetimes discovering more and more and more of the mysteries of God, those things that no person can comprehend, particularly here in this life, even though we comprehend certain degrees of it. But the path of righteousness, this is a path that we can walk that is easy. 
It's light. As a matter of fact, it's straight. The Bible calls it the highway of holiness is one of the things it calls it. You know, in the in Old Testament, Isaiah said, I'm going to make the crooked way straight. In other words, it's going to be easy for you to find your way. He says, I'm going to make the rough places plain or level. In other words, you're not going to stumble and fall in this. And there's no rough places. There's no hidden potholes. And so it's called the highway of righteousness, or it can be called the pathway of life. There's several different references to it throughout the scripture. And that's the idea. This is a pathway that we can walk on and experience the righteousness of God. Not just know about it, but experience the righteousness of God. And we're even going to talk a little bit about righteousness and make sure you've got a biblical concept of righteousness because honestly, I don't meet many people who have a true biblical concept of righteousness. Now, before we dive into that, I just want to remind you, these first four messages about paradigms, perspective, and the glory of God has more to do with seeing God as He is, seeing yourself as you really are, seeing your circumstances as they line up with the covenant of God. Because remember, God's glory is His view, His opinion, because that is reality. That is the only reality. And so we experience what we perceive. So the first four messages, we've talked a lot about the glory of God. This is the fourth in this series. And starting next week, we're going to start talking about how our paradigms and perspectives actually affect us in our relationships. And I'm telling you something, you're going to make a paradigm shift, if you will, in about how to relate to people and reduce the amount of conflict that you have in relationships because you adjust your paradigm, because you learn how to find new perspectives, new vantage points from which to look at situations around you. Now, we internally experience the reality that we perceive. I'm not saying it changes the world out here around us, even though it ultimately can. But I am telling you this, what goes on inside of the emotions that we feel, the beliefs that we develop, all emerge out of our perception. Now, the ability to see and perceive the invisible, and you know, we're called to see that which can't be seen with eyes. Faith looks on that which is invisible to the eye. It's invisible to the heart. It's invisible to the eye. And so when we try to look beyond just the surface of facts, just the surface of the reality that we've come to accept, we're actually going to see and perceive what our heart has been conditioned to believe. So in order for us to see God's perspective, in order for us to see God's reality beyond the circumstances, you know, man, how many stories are there? You know, stop and think about it. Whenever David went out and fought Goliath, do you realize all the armies of Saul had already been at battle with the Philistines and they were losing and they had this perception of themselves. They had this perception of the enemy because they didn't see past the circumstance and see God's reality. And, you know, whenever David looked at the situation, he said, surely God will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hands. He looked past what the reality was in the natural world around him. And because he could see God's reality, man, he moved forward in faith and power and he slayed the giant. And man, that's what we want to do. We want to be giant killers. So in order for us to see God's perspective and reality, our heart has to be established in righteousness. And there's a ton of scriptures and I go into a whole lot more of this 
in the original CD series, but I just want to read a few of these. Psalm 52, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. This is the person that the Bible says that connects with God. Psalm 94, 15, it says judgment will return to the righteous and all the upright in heart will follow it. Romans 10, 10, one of the most overlooked truths, I think, in the New Testament about the heart. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Now, this is talking about arriving at a destination. This is not talking about, okay, I believe on Jesus. Bam. Okay. I've got all there is about righteousness. No, there's way more to it in the original language than this. Of course, 2 Timothy 2.22 tells us to pursue righteousness, faith, and love with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And of course, Ephesians 6.14 tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what does the breastplate protect? It protects your heart. Your heart is protected by righteousness. Now, what we believe in our heart is what we will do. And you got to remember that. What you believe in your heart determines how you see yourself. It determines the decisions you're going to make. It determines everything you're going to do in life. So if we have a compromised concept of righteousness and what righteousness means to us, then we'll actually live a compromised life. So we've got to learn how to put on, to connect with the righteousness of God in Christ, which is already Hours. I want you to understand something. We're not trying to get righteousness. We're not trying to earn righteousness. We're not trying to get Jesus to bring us righteousness. He has already brought us righteousness. But the issue is, I believe in my heart unto righteousness. So what is it I believe in my heart? What is it I believe about the death, burial, and resurrection that brings me into what the Bible calls righteousness? And what is righteousness? Now, listen. And we want to put on righteousness. I want you to realize Jesus was raised up by the glory of God unto righteousness. Now, when Jesus, whenever he was dead and in Hades, which most Christians don't even believe that he was. Most Christians think Jesus died and went straight to heaven. No, he didn't because he died carrying the sin of the world. He couldn't go to heaven because he had become our sin and we become his righteousness. I tell you, people can't get this. I understand this. This is more than the natural mind can grasp, but until we can grasp this, we don't even have a clue. We can't even participate in the fellowship of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But therefore, it says we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So the glory of the Father is what raised Jesus from the dead. And he was raised up unto righteousness. Likewise, the glory of the Father is what raises us up into righteousness and into newness of life. So it's crucially important that we talk about how Jesus connected to the glory of God and then by grace of God was raised up in righteousness. I'll be right back. Don't go away. You don't want to miss one word of this. My new series, Paradigm's Perspective and the Glory of God, is designed to do just what it sounds like. I want you to see, to perceive, and to experience the glory of God, the reality of God, the splendor of God, the greatness of God, the power of God in every single area of your life. And I'll tell you something. When you can see God's reality, you can believe God's reality. And when you believe God's reality, you will experience it in every part of your life. You definitely want this series.
So here's the way it goes. Jesus was raised up by the glory, the view, the opinion, the reality of God. And when he was raised up, he was raised up into righteousness. And, you know, the concept of righteousness is so vast that, you know, we'll spend our lifetimes getting our heads around it. You know, we know that the word righteousness always has to do with morality. It always has to do with ethics. It has to do with honesty. It has to do with justice. It has to do with fairness. There's all of these different concepts of righteousness. And in reality, Kind of the general concept of righteousness is very much linked to the concept of glory, God's view and opinion, because sometimes the word righteousness or one of the concepts of the word righteousness is simply this, as it should be. So there's a way that things should be. Now, what should be and what could be becomes our reality when we accept it as a reality, when we believe on his reality based on the finished work of Jesus. So if we want to live the abundant life, there is no way to pursue that without pursuing righteousness. Now, again, for most people, the minute you start talking about walking in righteousness, they think you're talking about something that you're earning. They think that you're trying to get God to do something. No. You know, the word righteousness is a continuum. It's a continuum from how God sees things to ultimately how we see and accept things. It's something that starts in our heart that moves into our emotions and into our feelings, into our beliefs, and ultimately into our behavior and into the way that we treat people. There is no static concept of righteousness. Now, many people really push positional righteousness, and I believe in positional righteousness. I believe that because we are in Christ, that we are a new creation. Because we are in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. But stop and think. Many of the people that overemphasize positional righteousness try to separate their behavior from their righteousness. And, you know, I'm not saying bad behavior makes you unrighteous. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, there's a paradox here because one of the concepts of righteousness is that righteousness is self-evident. In other words, it is evident in the fruit that it bears. It's evident in the life that we live. You know, and everything that we do, we do it because that's how God does it. Everything he wants us to be and do and treat people and all these things, are exactly the way he treats people. So if we're going to be godly, we're going to treat people the way God treats people. If we're going to be godly, our word needs to be good just like God's word is good. If we're going to be godly, we need to be like our heavenly father. So when a person starts saying, well, you know, I'm righteous because I'm in Jesus, but I can live any way that I want to, then basically if we apply that to God, which is who we should be copying for our righteousness, then God can say, well, you know what? I'm righteous, but I'm going to break my word every now and then. I'm going to lie to you sometimes. You know, I might kill your kids. I might do all these things. No, there is no separating God's character, God's word, God's truth from the way he relates to people, from the way he functions in real life. It's as much about living in the promises because healed is how it should be. It's how it could be. Uh, blessed and prospered is how it should be. Happy is how it should be. Living in peace is how it should be. Enjoying life to the fullest is how it should be. I'm not saying that you're a bad person if you're not doing that, but I'm saying if you're accepting less than that, then there's a reason you're stuck where you are. Now, stop and think about this. 
When Jesus died, when Jesus became our sin and was alienated from God. Listen, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't just quoting scripture. He was fulfilling a prophecy and he was alienated from God. Why? So we would never have to be alienated. He paid every part of the price that we would have to pay if he had not come and done it for us. And so Jesus dies and he goes to Hades. Now, he didn't go to hell. Nobody's been to hell yet. Some angels have been locked up in Hades, uh, fallen angels, but hell, the final hell, the lake of fire and brimstone, nobody has been there yet. Or actually, we got angels locked up in the bottomless pit is where they are right now, fallen angels. So anyhow, Jesus is in Hades, which is the abode of the dead that are alienated from God. So for all practical purposes, Jesus could have looked at every scripture that promised that he was the king of kings, promised that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, that promised that he would rule and reign forever, promised, you know, all of these things that describe his eternal kingdom. He could have looked at all those scriptures and said, they didn't come to pass. Now, that's what we do when we face circumstances. When we face hardship, it's like, listen, there have been times you know, praise God that I've gotten instantaneous healings from situations many, many times. I had my life saved. There's been times I had to walk things out. You say, well, why would you have to walk it out? Well, the honest truth is because it wasn't established in my heart because of whatever the varying circumstances were. It, you know, it doesn't really matter. I don't even care why I have to walk it out. All I care about is I know what the truth is. I'm going to walk it out. But I'm never going to say that because I am experiencing a reality that's different than how it could be that my reality is the only reality and that God is in fact a liar, that God has in fact let me down. I got to go back and find some way to justify where I am. You know, I got a, a message from somebody yesterday and I felt so sorry for this person. And they were listening to some of the things I was teaching about the promises of God, living the promises of God. And he was saying, man, I, you know, I got hurt by doing all this confession stuff in the past and, and it messed up my life. And, and I just can't, finally came to realize, you know, that God doesn't want to heal everybody. We have to wait until it's his will. Let me tell you something. God's will was established when Jesus became our sin, when he hung on the cross, when he took all of the curse of the law, and when he raised up conquering all that and obtained an inheritance that included all the promises that God ever made. There's nothing left to try to figure out what the will of God is. And God's not making individual decisions about who gets healed and who doesn't. These promises are here for all mankind. And when we come to Jesus and when our faith is rooted in the finished work of Jesus, then, you know, we take ourselves down this journey really of the glory of God, of shifting our opinion, persuading our heart till we see it the way God sees it. You know, the book of Jonah is one of the most interesting books about the resurrection of Jesus because the book of Jonah, and Jesus even referred to Jonah as a type of what he would go through in the grave. And when you read all of the other scriptures about what happened when Jesus died and was alienated from God, you see that a warfare went on in his mind just like a warfare goes on in our mind. A warfare went on in his emotions just like the warfare that goes on in our emotions. I got to tell you something. The battle you're fighting is not against the devil. The battle you're fighting is against what you believe, what your emotions are telling you, what your eyes are telling you. God's reality has to be something that if you can't see it, you still say, you know what? It's still true. 
If you can't experience it, it's still true. Even if I'm not experiencing it, it is still true. Some of you have heard me say this a lot of times. I don't want to just keep belaboring it. But you know, in the years that I was hanging on by a thread because I had this kidney disease and my wife was having to give me injections every four hours to keep me alive, I would still go out and preach healing, lay hands on the sick, see people get healed, and many times just walk off the platform, go straight to another room, and my wife would give me an injection to keep me from dropping over dead within the next 24 hours. And I had people say, well, well, you're a hypocrite because, you know, why aren't you healed? I was like, you know what? I've been healed a bunch of times. You know, I'm going to experience a healing from this. But just because I'm not experiencing it doesn't mean it's not true. I'm not going to change the gospel for everybody else just because I'm having trouble with it. Jesus, you know, according to the book of Jonah, man, when he was there in the bowels of the earth in Hades, he was acknowledging who he was. He was acknowledging, I am a son. You know, I am the righteousness of God. My throne is forever. My kingdom is forever. He persuaded himself. Go in and read the second chapter of Jonah and just translate that concept to the fact that this is Jesus in Hades. And this is how he persuades his heart to take hold of, to see the invisible, to see past the circumstances, to see the life that was promised to him that could be. And so, you know, whenever our heart comes to believe the truth about what God says, then we are raised up into righteousness. That's when we're raised up into how it should be. Man, oh man, I'm going to tell you something. If we get a picture of righteousness, of what it would look like living a righteous life, you know, yes, we'd have moral victory. Yes, we'd be winning over sin. Yes, we would be ministering to people. Yes, we would be generous. Yes, we would be kind, patient, merciful, helpful. Yes, we would be thoughtful. Yes, we'd be tender and gentle. And yes, we would even take our stands in the right places. And yes, we would challenge people when they needed to be challenged, just like Jesus. If you don't know what righteousness looks like, go look at the life of Jesus, and you'll figure out what it looks like. It's not about being a doormat. It's not about being pious. It's not about looking down on people. It's not about being unmerciful. It's not about pointing out people's faults. It's just about being who you really are in Jesus, living in the character, the self-evident qualities of what it means to be righteousness. And persuade your heart connect with the glory of God, connect with the view and the opinion of God until it becomes your reality. And this is where you move into this effortless transformation of how it should be becoming your reality, not because you're trying hard enough to make it your reality, but because you finally come to believe that this is not just God's reality, but this is in fact your reality. Listen. I can't emphasize enough that just beyond your perception, there's another reality. Just beyond your circumstances, there is another reality. Just beyond all the conflict, there's peace. Just beyond all the pain, there's healing. Just beyond all the desperation, there's provision. Just beyond all the confusion, there is leadership, direction, and vision. But you can only get to that place, that righteousness, that the way it could be, the way it should be, when you are fully persuaded of God's view, of God's opinion, 
and God's reality. Don't go away. I'll be right back with the mentoring moment. Have you ever just felt like you couldn't see the truth? I've had people say that to me so many times. I just can't see it. Well, I'll tell you something. In this new series, Paradigms, Perspectives, and the Glory of God, your eyes are going to open and you're going to discover how to always see what God's Word means and says. Hey, I want to invite you to participate in one of my meetings somewhere in North America. You know, I go out every year and I get to meet people face to face. And you know what? There's a whole different thing that happens in live meetings than happen watching these broadcasts. I want you to know that this year we're going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma again. We're going to be in Kansas City area again. At the end of March, we're going to be in Edmonton, Canada. In May, I think it is, we're going to be in uh, Calgary, Canada. We'll be back on Victoria Island this year. And then don't forget... Every year, the third week in July, we have World Changer Weekend. This year, that's July the 14th through the 16th. And then every year, the third week in October, which this year is October the 20th through the 22nd, we have Heart Physics Weekend. So we're going to be doing incredible things here in Huntsville, all over America. And I want you to come and I want you to be there. Now, listen, if you will download my mobile app, you'll always know where I am. You'll always know who to contact. You'll always have your address information or at least get on our mailing list so that you'll have that. I want to meet you this year. So we're talking about persuading your heart. We're talking about taking hold of the glory of God. We're talking about surrendering your view and your opinion to God's view and opinion of reality. Now remember, don't confuse this with the crazy name it and claim it, grab it and stab it confession craze of the 90s. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about this biblical concept of laboring to enter into rest. Because you see, the laboring part is where you're persuading your heart, where you're renewing your mind, where you're gathering the information, where you're pondering it, where you're reflecting it. And once that becomes your reality, then you will see it the way God sees it. And when you see it the way God sees it, see what? Anything that Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, when you see the truth in light of the finished work of Jesus, then your heart is going to become fully persuaded. So it's real simple. You renew your mind with the truth. This is not complicated. Man, go through, and when you read the scriptures, even if you read the Old Testament, every time you come across a promise, you say, that promise is mine because I'm in Jesus. You know, that's what 1 Corinthians tells us, or 2 Corinthians one twenty tells us. And then anytime you come across where it says, you know, something's bad going to happen, you say, I'm delivered from that curse of the law, according to Galatians 3.13. So always renew, focusing on the promises. This is God's promise in this new covenant. This is God's reality based on the resurrection of Jesus. Renew your mind and then ponder yourself and meditate and think about and reflect on you living in that quality of life until that becomes your absolute reality. And I'm telling you, it is as simple as that. But that is a laboring, and that's a laboring that has to take place. And it's just sort of like people say, you know, you, you have the 19-inch conversion where you're renewing your mind, you're renewing your mind, you're thinking about it, you're pondering it, you're praying about it, however you do it, and then one day it drops from here to here. And you don't, it's just like in an instant, suddenly you perceive God's reality. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.